This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 288 with Julie Ciardi. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 288. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Julie Ciardi is a shameless divorced and remarried mom of three kiddos. She divorced when her oldest two kids were two and four years old. She remarried and now has a third child, currently four, with her new husband. She has a very modern blended family. She also recently took a leap from corporate, leaving behind a high-paying six-figure salary to be an entrepreneur with two businesses. She launched a brick-and-mortar women's boutique, Haven Boutique, where she styles women for their daily hustle. Then she launched her podcast, Divorce Mommy, to help divorce moms with their mindset and long-term vision to create the life they want and what their children need. Listen in to hear Julie share how to consciously frame your story around your divorce how to model to your friends and your family around how to talk about your family's rearrangement, the mindset resets to start rebuilding your life and mental space during and after divorce, how she and her children's dad manage their 50-50 co-parenting custody schedule, and how to find power and strength in divorce. This was a powerful conversation, really enlightening conversation. If you have not personally been touched by divorce, I'm sure you know someone who has. This isn't something that like is uncommon at all. So I think that this conversation is really powerful for everyone because it helps us learn how to 
talk to our friends who are going through these situations. It also helps any of us who are particularly connected to the situation, whether it's been in the past or whether it's part of your current experience. So I'm really, really excited to share Julie's knowledge and wisdom. I think that she brings a lot to the table around this conversation. I just loved this conversation with Julie. And I think the reason I loved it was because I knew it was going to touch so many people. Because even if you have not gone through a divorce, or you're not currently going through a divorce, you know people who have, or you've been impacted by the divorce of your parents or other family members, other family friends. Like there's no one who's not touched by this. And I think that divorce has. The trends have changed a lot. So my parents got divorced when I was really little, and it was a really different thing in 1979, 1980 when it happened in my family. And it's evolved so much in the conversations around divorce, the conversations around how families can rearrange and still maintain being a family unit, I think are just so different. And it allows a lot of freedom, a lot of creativity, a lot of power for both parents and for the kids to feel safe and continue to have strong bonds with both parents. So that also doesn't come without work and intentional, mindful reflection and engagement and habits and routines and all those kinds of things. So Julie's going to dive into all that. It's going to be amazing. And please, please do share this episode with people in your life who are impacted by divorce, because I think it's a powerful, positive conversation that really reframes some of the old ways of divorce into more positive new wave thoughts around divorce and how this can actually be something that people can thrive in divorce. It's totally possible. So let's dive in with Julie Ciardi. Julie Ciardi, thank you so much for joining me today on the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm really excited to have you here. Oh, thank you so much. I'm very excited to be on the awesome podcast. And we have to just tell all the shameless moms out there how shameless we are that we've rescheduled this interview multiple times because We've had strep throat, we've had pink eye, we've had coughs, like all of the and goo, all us, of it. We, we have had them, right. not our kids. We, right. <laughs> we as grown up women, we're the dirty ones. Like our kids are yes. fine, but we have had all the grossness. Exactly. <laughs> it's totally unfair. <laughs> it's not okay for me to get pink eye if my child does not have it first. I'm really not yeah. cool with that. Because no, you're like, what did I do? Right. Exactly. <laughs> How am I so dirty? I don't understand. I really thought that I was clean not fair. That's how I was when I got strep throat and no one in my house had it. I was like, I think the last time I had it, I was nine. Yeah. So what did I do to get this? <laughs> right. I had it last year for the first time since like my teens, I think. And it was the same thing. I was like, again, why am I the, my son never, I mean, like, I was so glad he didn't get it, but also like, who's the carrier? Like he should be the carrier, not me. So. Yes. I'm not the Petri dish, but apparently. <laughs> right, right. Totally. <laughs> okay. So regardless, I'm so happy that we finally got this going so we could get started with this conversation and we're swapping interviews, which I always love. So you're going to be on my show. I'm going to be on your show. And I feel like whenever I do that with someone where we interview each other, like by the end, I have a new best friend. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's the beauty of podcasting. It's amazing, oh, the connection. so great. Yes, yes. So we're about to just dig into everyone's intimate details of their lives, and it's going to be fantastic. So yeah. with that said, I want you to tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life right now beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. I would love that. And actually, let me just say, being 44 is amazing. And so for any mama listening that might be in her 20s or her 30s. I just want them to know it gets better and better if you want it to. And your confidence, your ability to be shameless, which I love that from your podcast is it just gets better and better. And so 
here I am, I'm 44. I'm not a spring chicken, but I'm happier. I can honestly say happier than I've ever been in my life. So I'm a divorced mom of two, but I have since remarried and I've had baby number three. He is four, but we're going to like still call him a baby probably for the rest of his life because he's, I have a 15 and 13 year old. And so he is all of our baby. We just adore him to pieces. But I recently left a pretty high paying corporate job to enter the world of entrepreneur land. And my whole goal and desire is to help moms create the life that they want, the life their kids need, all post-divorce. And so that's really what I'm most excited about right now is the opportunity to do that. And so I've got a podcast and I've got a coaching business and program where I'm trying to really help flip the script on divorce. And I know we'll get into this, but there's still a stigma to it. And I've just never felt more on fire to try to help change that because it's one of the hardest things that I think a mom can go through. And I want them to know they can get through the other side better than ever before. I love that. I love it so much. So I was raised by a single mom, a divorced mom, and I look at how she like didn't embrace that role and like she embraced what she had to embrace to like get through the day and be, you know, basically show up as both parents, but she didn't have like pride around like I'm going to thrive here. And so I love that there is the destigmatization and the new conversations that are happening around like divorce and co-parenting and that this can all be really positive and everyone in the family can thrive through it. It doesn't have yes. to be this bad, dirty, ugly thing. No, it was a label. It was a burden you carried. It was very, very different. And, you know, it's, I say it was, it still is in a lot of ways. And that's why, you know, in starting the podcast, what's been such a shocker to me is how many women I've heard from where the actual word stigma is what they use and how they still are feeling. And we got to change that. We got to change that. It's not this, you know, you don't wear the letter D on your chest. You know what I mean? And it's actually you know, there's silver linings to it. And we'll get into that. But I think it could actually be a door that opens, it could be a platform from which a woman could truly a mom could truly become an even better version of herself, honestly, absolutely. I also want to give you credit for I think that there's nothing more powerful and more profound than taking your own story and building a platform around your story and having a sense of purpose around your story. And I think with things like divorce, and like for me, I went through this with infertility, there's a moment where you, it might not be a moment, it might be a series of smaller moments, but there's this transition where you're like, okay, is this going to be this like thing that I hide with? Or is this going to be this thing that like becomes a part of my identity that I use for the greater good. And I love that you're using your story for the greater good. And I think that's so powerful and that automatically destigmatizes it. And I say that with me for with infertility too, that like no one can like make me feel uncomfortable about my journey because I've put myself out there and I've built the story around it and I'm telling the ending and I'm helping other people go through their own struggles and turning them into strengths in similar situations, regardless of whether that's infertility or not. And I see that you're doing that with divorce. And I think that is so, so powerful. And I just really applaud you for doing that. And I think that when you do that, like your work never feels like work. It just feels like 
it's like you're just sharing. You're sharing a part of yourself. And there's like this boundaries around like, quote unquote, going to work, just like go away. Because you're just oh, there, totally. like you're just out there on a mission. And it's amazing. And it's exciting. And it's fun. And it's very fulfilling. Oh, 100%. And having, you know, been over 16 years in the corporate world, uh, you know, I was a marketing exec for a very large IT, you know, company, a global IT company, nothing feels as good as working one-on-one with a mom who, you know, wants to know she's going to be okay, that her kids are going to be okay, and that she has the power to control that. And again, just, I think we are all given these stories. You know, I love that life is happening, you know, for us and not to us. And I think that we all get these unique stories and things that have happened to us that we're supposed to share and we're supposed to help. And it doesn't even necessarily need to be a business. You know, it could be that, you know, you're help. like for, I too went through IVF to get our son, Kaysen, my little one, the four-year-old. And I am super, super, super honest about it because again, that's just, as you know, that's just another area we don't talk enough about. And I think that as moms, especially moms, there are so many areas of our lives that we were not totally honest about. Sometimes we're not honest with ourselves, but then honest with others. And the more open we are, it's amazing how empowering, not only is it to ourselves because we own our story, as you said, but it's so empowering for another woman because the word hope and just seeing hope because you've seen someone else successfully go through it and come out the other side and still go through it. Cause I mean, and we'll get into this, but once you're a divorced mom, I mean, you're always going to have to work with that forever. It's a life lifelong, but you own it and you can help someone see the hope that they can do this and they can have an amazing life. Their kids can have an amazing life. They don't have to be from a quote unquote broken home. It's just such an amazing thing. So the more open we are about our story, whatever was planted on us, it's for a reason. I truly believe that. I totally agree. And I love that. So let's go ahead and talk about your entrance into motherhood and your expectations versus reality. And you can go ahead and and I don't know how much that ties into your marriage and all that. But as it ties into your marriage, go ahead and dive into that as well. (laughs) So funny. So I laugh because, you know, my daughter, my oldest is 15. So when I think back, it's so funny what a shocker it was, because I had this vision. I mean, literally, since I was a little girl, I played house. You know, I was going to be a mom. I was going to be like, I was the doll player. I mean, I was the athlete too and all that, but I never not wanted to be a mom. Like, I always wanted to be a mom. And I started babysitting at like age 11, which I laugh now because I would never have an 11 year old babysit my children. I started at nine. And I'm like, who are these people that hired like nine or 11 year old? I don't know. I think we were older then. I don't know. I think kids are a little little younger now. I don't know. But 11. So 11 years old. I mean, I think I babysat every weekend. I had like a little business almost. And I loved it. I really thought I was going to be a pro at being a mom, like no problem. And when I had my first child at 29 years old, my beautiful Caroline, I was so not equipped. Okay. I was not equipped from the labor to the delivery. Like I'm such a type A personality that I was like, I didn't do labor right. I didn't do delivery right. I'm like, this is not how it's supposed to go. And and then whether it was breastfeeding or trying to get this little tiny human to 
sleep. I, you know, she had colic and reflux and I couldn't even leave the house because she would just cry all the time. And then I would cry all the time. And I remember I took a very long maternity leave. I took like a nine month maternity leave. I was planning to just, you know, literally, because I was going to be the best. I was going to be the best mom, you know, this little, little baby, right? Of course. We were and, so twins. So I'm like relating oh, to every word that you're saying. <laughs> Go ahead. I was like, oh my God, I'm such a failure. And, you know, not knowing that, you know, every baby is so different. And there was a combination of how I was showing up and how she was too, you know? And I think it's why I wanted to have a second child so fast, honestly, because I was like, okay, I need a do-over. I can do this again better. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so funny because I was the opposite. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listener can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, It's very digestible, and the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explained. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for 
understood explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. So I relate to like everything you say up to that point, like the babysitting early, the wanting to be a mom, like feeling that was my mission in life. But then because the first one was so hard, I was like terrified with the idea of a second. So So terrified. So that's interesting. Yeah, I had kind of the opposite. And I was like, okay, well, the second one, I can't be like this again, you know? And once she got a little bit older, it totally got better. And I mean, God, she's like, you know, people look at me now and like, oh, you have a 15 year old daughter that must be so hard. And I'm like, actually, she's awesome. So she was my tough baby, but she's an awesome teen. But I then had my son, Jack, he was like, Caroline was 13 months old when I got pregnant with Jack. And so they're 22 months apart. And he was actually a very, very easy baby. So I got a little bit of vindication, you know, I was like, okay, you know, I did that one better. (laughs) But now I had two littles, right? A full time corporate job. I had just turned 30. It was a lot. It was a lot to try to do because even though I knew I always wanted to be a mom, I knew I always wanted to work as well. Like it wasn't a question for me. I mean, I had the mom guilt and I felt bad, but I always knew I wanted a career of some kind. Like that was very, very important to me. And soon after, I mean, my kids were four and two when we got divorced. So it wasn't that much further from there that we ended up getting divorced. And, you know, I don't go into a ton of detail of why we got divorced because one, I will get into this in a little bit, but I believe that you have to have a life vision and a life plan for how you want things to unfold with your kid's dad once you're divorced because you are still together. So that whole vow of till death do you part, when when you have kids and you get divorced, that vow actually doesn't really go anywhere. It kind of stays because whether it's birthday parties, sporting events, graduations, weddings, now you're going to be a grandparent, you're together. Yeah. And you really have to have that longer term vision. So for us, you know, the how, the why, living in the past of any of that, we, you know, packed that up, put it away. And we really look at each other as our kid's mom, our kid's dad, right? And and we have that relationship from a co-parenting standpoint. So we don't really ever get into the nitty gritty on the whys, but I can say that right out of the gate, we made the decision that we were gonna be the best co-parents we could possibly be for these two kids because they're four and two, they're little. There's no way we want them not to have an amazing childhood regardless. regardless of the fact that we weren't going to be living in the same house. So it was very, very important for us. I love the idea and the common goal of like maintaining a dignified relationship and staying in integrity with that for the kids. And I also know that a lot of people can't do that and you can't always control your partner. So even one partner might be like, I'm totally on board, but to like, you know, keep this super respectful, super neutral so that we can do the best thing for the kids, but you can't control the other partner being that way or engaging in the same way. Talk a little bit about that. Like, were you guys on the same page around this conversation? And what has your experience been with other people that you talk to when partners are not on the same page? It's such a good question because I think that you're hundred percent right. You can never control another person ever. But Even though can, us type A people do like to think we can. We, I mean, like but, right? we can. we like to think we can, especially our own children, <laughs> right. but we can't. And I think the key is, is that 
you had said, you know, people can't always have this kind of relationship. Well, they can't, but the one person can decide to not be someone that talks about their kid's dad. They can decide not to indulge in the gossip. You have the opportunity to make that choice, even if the other person doesn't. Right. And I really, really believe that. And I think, you know, personally in, in our situation, and I think in any situation, you kind of have to have someone that takes the lead. Mm-hmm. And I think in our case, it was definitely me. I kind of took that torch, you know, took the light forward and guided us. And I will tell you that when someone does that, when one of the two parties and, you know, hopefully it's, you know, the mom, because I think the mom has, we have a lot of nurturing capabilities inside of us to be that kind of a leader. I picked up the torch and I took the lead. And it's amazing when you have someone that leads in that way, everyone else follows, not just your kid's dad. So it's interesting. I'll explain what I mean by that. When we were first getting divorced, it was hard. I mean, whether it was our parents or mutual friends that we had, I mean, of course, the first thing everyone wants to do, what people want to assign blame, people mm-hmm. want to be angry, people want to talk yeah. big time, right? And very quickly, well, one, I wouldn't indulge in that. And I tell moms, be very careful, you know, be careful who you're talking to and how you're talking, because one, it's impacting your own brain and how you're thinking about that yeah. person. Two, you never know who's listening. Your kids are always listening. And I really believe that people start to follow your lead. And so I can honestly say that 11 years later, I am still super close with his parents. He is close with my family. We have a lot of mutual friends still. And that is because we took that path. And, you know, I started down that path. He went down that path. We went down that path. Now, if he did not, I can still choose not to participate in it, right? And so one of the things I tell moms right out of the gate is a good kind of strategy to take on is to stop calling him your ex-husband. Stop calling him that. It has obviously a very negative connotation to it. There's nothing positive about the term ex-husband. And even though he's your ex-husband, he's your kid's father. So I'm pretty deliberate in any time I refer to Jack and Caroline's dad, I call him their dad. I say Jack and Caroline's dad, or you know, if people know him, I call him by his name. I very, very, very rarely will you ever hear me use the word ex-husband. Mm. And I think that when you lead with that, you automatically set the tone in any conversation with anybody. You immediately take some of the negativity away. He is now seen in the light that he should be seen in. He's your kid's father. And your kids hear that, Mm -hmm. right? Because that's their relationship with him. And so even if you have a partner, a co-parent that isn't with you in taking the high road or isn't necessarily being the example, you can still choose to be that for your kids. Yeah, yeah. I think that's so powerful. And I love your point that the way you talk about things, first of all, you're coaching other people on how they're going to manage the situation and how they're kind of allowed to manage the situation in front of you. So you're coaching, like you're saying, 
the way that you talk about the situation is going to let other people know how they can reference it and how they can frame a story around it. And that's a lot of power for you to have. And you get to choose, you know, what you want to do with that. So I love the example that you use of referring to your former spouse as the Mm -hmm. parent of your child versus the ex. And I really love the point of your kids getting that reinforcement, that you're just constantly reinforcing that role because that's the most significant role for your kids. It doesn't matter to your kids that this person is your ex. It matters to your kids that that's their father or their mother if their roles are reversed. Exactly. I think that's such a great point. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, so something that I learned a couple of years ago or started recognizing was that when people came to me and told me that they were getting a divorce, that they had gone through a lot of drama and trauma to get to that point. And by the time they were sharing that they were getting a divorce, unless it was like a super close friend, but by the time I was hearing the news, they had done a lot of processing. So they often weren't really in this like sad place of drama and trauma still. They were like, I'm ready to move on. Like paperwork is signed. I'm ready for my new life. So I've kind of started framing it from like a congratulatory point of view almost. Like if someone tells me they're getting divorced, I'm like, oh my gosh, like this, you're getting ready to start fresh. And this must be perhaps overwhelming and scary, but also I do feel like there's a sense of freedom and newness and like the possibility. And so can you talk a little bit about what that was like for you and how did you go through all like, how did you thrive through divorce? And also what were the stages? Cause I don't think that anyone starts out with it being like, I'm going to start my new life and this is going to be amazing. I think it, it starts off with probably terror and gets to a point of now I'm ready to like start this new life and build something fantastic. So can you talk through that? For yes, us? such a good question. And you're so right. I mean, you're going through such different phases and often the first phases are very private, right? Just like mm-hmm. you said, so you don't usually hear about someone getting divorced and maybe you're so surprised by the news because you didn't know all the other things that were happening behind the scenes. So I think that you have to go through the phase of mourning and it, it is mourning whether or not you know, whoever initiated it, whatever happened, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, the family that you once knew it to be, especially us type A's, like, well, this is how it was supposed to be. I was supposed to, you know, be married, have kids, live happily ever after, you know. And so getting like through the fact that this is very different than how you thought your life was going to be is a whole phase. Your fear around are my kids going to be okay is probably the most gripping. There's definitely am I going to be okay? Will I be happy again? And there's fear of being alone, being a, maybe you're a homeowner now by yourself. Maybe you're in an apartment now and you used to have the house. And I mean, there's so many elements that that uncertainty and the not knowing and not how my life was supposed to be, you go through, you just have to. And I think the, will my kids be okay? I don't know that that ever, ever goes away, but guess what? It's the same whether you're divorced or married, right? We're always worried about our kids, right? Right. And so it's just a different worry. But I will say that I'm a very firm believer that, you know, kind of what we were saying before, that you do have the power to create the life you want. So it really starts with the thinking So as women are going through these different phases, as I was going through these different phases, you know, for me personally, yes, I 100% had the thoughts, you know, will I be happy again? Will the kids be okay? But I've always been someone that doesn't kind of sit in their own, you know, 
I don't know if we swear on this one, but doo-doo, I feel like you just, you know, you get up and you wipe it off and you go forward and you figure it out and you make your life what you want it to be. I've always felt that way. Not everyone does, but what I try to help people understand is if you think I'll never be happy again or life sucks and, you know, this is the worst thing that could ever happen and I'll never be happy, you won't ever be happy, right? I mean, you have to say, okay, this happened. This happened in my life. It's not what I planned, but I am going to be okay. I am going to have a good life. I'm going to make sure my kids have a good life. And if you are really focused on having those thoughts, it's amazing what you manifest. I truly, truly, truly believe it. And so I'm with you. I think that divorce has such a stigma to it, but it could have such a powerful kind of platform to jump from because honestly, I feel like I've become a better version of myself kind of every year, but I definitely feel that the divorce and what you go through when you go through that, it's the opportunity to kind of recreate and rewrite so many things in your life. And that can be extremely scary, but it can be extremely exciting as well if you choose to look at it that way. And I had a episode on my podcast where I kind of said, you know, the benefits of divorce, kind of the silver lining, you know, right. not trying to make too light of it, but to open people's minds right, to right. what you could do, you know, like, for example, I mean, for me personally, we had split custody straight out of the gate. And I talk about this too. That's really hard. Okay. So when you're a mom and all of a sudden, you know, you're not going to be with your kids half the time, that is probably one of the hardest things that you can like ever go through. Okay. But at the same time, I think that you have the opportunity to take the time that they are like with their dad to, I kind of go through this with women and I've talked about this on my podcast, but there's so many things like, is there a hobby? Is there something you love? Is there a side hustle you want to start? Is there a trip that you've wanted to take? You want to train for a marathon? I mean, the list is endless. And I think as moms, and now I'm, you know, I'm remarried, and I have another child, I think, oh, my God, I had a lot of time, you know, (laughs) I had had a lot of time to be able to focus on some things. And what I tell other women, too, is that, look at it this way, as hard as it is, as sad as it is, when you have the kids half the time, be very intentional about what you do with that time, not just to maybe explore some things you're interested in. But honestly, I did all the grocery shopping, I did the bills, I did all the non-fun house stuff and all of that when the kids were with their dad and he did the same thing. So when the kids were with me or the kids were with him, oh my goodness, like they were always having fun. I mean, we always had activities planned and so much. And I look at my four-year-old now and I think, I think I had more quality time with Jack and Caroline (laughs) half the time than I am with this poor kid. Because you have this opportunity. Again, it's looking at the bright side versus the negative side of things. You have the control to say, okay, how can my kids thrive? How can I thrive? You take advantage of that time. You get very intentional in your planning. And you actually can have a pretty cool life. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. I totally agree. Something that I talk about so much with moms is they're like, I don't even know what my passions are. If I had time for a hobby, well, I don't even know what I would do. And I think that like, there's an amazing opportunity there to really explore yourself and also reflect on, you know, I think that when we look at building a life 
earlier in our lives before having the experience of marriage and children, we have a really different perspective. And once you've been through that and you have the opportunity to rebuild, you might have a really different idea about what you want to build your life around and what you want the focus to be and how you want your time to be managed and all these different things. And so I love the idea of like having self-care around building hobbies and following passions and starting a side hustle and like whatever you want that to be. But I think like that's an amazing opportunity. And I love that you pointed that out. Feel like you're the martyr in your family. You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and, more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests, too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Yeah. You got to look at the positive sometimes and, you know, and it's can really get you through. And, you know, the other thing too is planning time with girlfriends or visiting family. I mean, you know, what we would do and we still do it and God bless my kid's dad. I mean, it's 11 years later and he still does the calendar. So what we do, the way that we've organized it is that we do the calendar every month. And so what we do is because we have 50-50 and we involve the kids in the discussion too. I mean, because again, every phase, things change. I mean, now they're teenagers, right? So my daughter Caroline's 15. I give her so much credit. I posted this recently on Instagram. It was a picture of her bag that she packs every couple of days that we bring to each other's home. Now we live two and a half miles apart on purpose. Again, the first thing I wanted to do when we were going to get divorced, I'm from the Boston area. My kid's dad is from New York. We were living in New York. I mean, honestly, first thing I wanted to do, pack up my bags, take the kids and move back home to where all my family and friends were, which was Boston. But guess what? What am I going to do? I'm going to go to court and fight him. And where would we be right now? Yeah. If I had done that. And where would your kids I, be? If where that, are my kids if, How compromising would that exactly. have been? Exactly. So again, just being just aware of that longer term vision is so important. And I'm digressing a little bit, but it's so important because you have to think long term and not just the short term. And so we deliberately like 
moved into two homes over time. Like I remember I had, you know, I lived in a teeny little house I was renting just to get Caroline into kindergarten, you know, in a particular school district we were trying to move into once we sold the house. And, you know, you get through what you need to get through initially, but you had that longer term vision. Like we knew we wanted to be very, very close physically because these kids between sports and everything that they've got going on now, Caroline with this huge bag, you know, she's 15 clothes, makeup, shoes, everything. I mean, can you imagine having to pack every couple of days? That's a lot. And she's very responsible. And so we're lugging that back and forth. But we've told the kids, we said, look, you know, would it be easier if it was every other week? And they were like, absolutely not. They're like, you know, we don't want any more than two days. And now because they're older, I mean, my goodness, I mean, we see each other every single day, even if they don't sleep at the other person's house because of soccer and school activities and all of that. So that's the other really cool thing about being deliberate about trying to live closer. I see them every single day, every single day. They just don't always sleep at my house every day. But I will tell you, so their dad, he creates this calendar And every two days, pretty much the kids are going to the other house. And he asks me for the dates. Okay, which dates do you need the kids or not need the kids in a given month? He's engaged. He's been with his fiance for just a little bit shorter time than I've been with my now husband. So they've been together a very long time. And she's got a daughter and she's divorced. So my kid, Jack and Caroline's dad, creates a calendar every month where he tries to balance her daughter, my two kids, dates that, you know, people have different things going on. And he tries to make sure that she has her daughter when they have Jack and Caroline to really create that family, which I think is awesome. And this is what we do every single month. We've got this calendar. And so what we've been able to do with that, and we've been doing this for 11 years, you can plan. So I would have a month in advance and I would say, okay, I know I don't have the kids this Thursday night or that Friday night. And I would try to make plans with girlfriends, try a new gym class I haven't tried before, you know, whatever it was at the time over the last 11 years, you just get deliberate and intentional so that you don't sit home sad or, you know, wallow in the fact that you don't have the kids. You know, you try to look at it with that lens and it opens doors. That's so cool. So when my parents got divorced, it was like, The only way that that was managed was that like either that the mom just kept the kids all the time or that there was like some sort of like every other weekend plus every Wednesday. It was like those were the only choices. (laughs) There wasn't like anything else. And this would have been like almost 40 years ago. So it's so interesting to see how this has evolved. And I think it's amazing how it's evolved. And I love also the idea that it's evolved to look like so many different things because so many different families want to work things in a different way. And so, you know, the structure doesn't need to be the same across all families and that it can evolve with your family. So I would imagine if you were to tell your kids, you know, the schedule that you had when they were two and four, if you were to try to be implementing that when they're 15 and 13 and they're like, but wait, what about sports? And what about this? And what about that? And they don't feel like they have any say in it. And I'm sure it's a challenge to juggle it and have it be not identical from week to week or month to month. But for them to feel like they have some say in it, that you're all still a family working together on a project yes. versus like the system that is inflexible and this is just what we like live and die by. And I yes. think that that's how amazing for your daughter. Like that probably makes her able to pack this bag every two days without begrudging it because she's been part of the decision making. She's part of the process and she gets to give input and feel heard. And that's amazing. 
Exactly. And you really do have to look at it that way. And I will say that, you know, to anyone out there that might be getting divorced or going through divorce and your kids are younger, the stronger you are at trying to have a good co-parent relationship is so important and involving the kids. Because I will tell you, when they are teenagers, it gets harder. I mean, it just does in terms of you know, the limits, you know, can she go to this party and dating and when is it appropriate for this to happen or that or you know, our 13 year old son now is, you know, going to start high school. The, the problems are just bigger yeah. than when they were little. And so the tighter you can be and on the same page on the co-parenting is so awesome. And it's funny because kids have different relationships with different parents, whether they are in one house or in a co-parenting situation. It's just the way it works. And what I find is that my daughter and I have a really good relationship and very rarely are we getting into that we don't see eye to eye. But my son and I, we like just butt heads a lot. Flip side, my Caroline's dad, they butt heads all the time. He doesn't with my son. Mm. So we get together and we talk about it. I help him with her. He helps me with him. We coach each other. And then we try to work on the kids for each other. And that's huge. And again, in the moment, in the throes of a divorce, you may not even see a way to get there. Right. That's what I was just thinking. Like, what do you tell people when you're talking to them and you're saying, like, how do you say, well, but in 10 years, you can totally be on the same page. (laughs) You know what I talk about? I talk about the compound effect. I talk about how, just like with your money, you know, a penny might not seem like anything right now, you know, or a dollar may not seem like anything right now. But if you're investing it over time, it yields. And so it's Mm -hmm. the same thing. It goes back to being intentional about being a leader, even if that person's not there with you yet. Right. They may never get there. They may never, but you have to try because it's hard in the moment. But again, it's knowing that that compound effect, that daily positive versus the daily negative will 100% yield what you're going to get in 10 years. So it's not easy. And I'm not saying it's easy. And trust me, let me tell you, 11 years later, I will still be in situations where I will have someone, you know, at a party or whatever almost try to talk about my kid's dad or his fiance, like to me in a derogatory way, almost like, cause I think that's like the norm, right? Yeah. The norm yeah. is, Oh, yo, did you hear? Did you right. see? Right. Whatever. Right. And, I'm, and I never indulge. Now, would it be easy to indulge? Of course. Right. Yeah. No, you have to make these deliberate decisions for your family. Cause it's still family. Right. You know, and it's hard and it never ends. And I think that's, you know, kind of the other big thing that I will say is that, you know, you don't just get through divorce and then it's over. Right. You know, to me, it's a continuous focus and work, whether it's with their dad, with the kids, with their, you know, stepmom, with my own husband. You know, that's a coming. Don't even get me started on being a step parent. That's got to be the hardest job there is. And out of the four of us, so my husband, me, my kid's dad, and his fiance, I'm the only one that's not a step parent. Oh, so interesting. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah. And so I try to have so much compassion about it mm. because talk about 
the compound effect. I mean, you have to be investing, 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 and you might not see any kind of yield on that until like the kids are in their 20s. You know, I mean, (laughs) it's a different relationship. You're not getting the same love back necessarily. And so it's hard. It is really, really hard. So all of these things take time and effort and it doesn't stop. Like I can guarantee you when Caroline's getting married or now we're all becoming grandparents together, we'll still probably be working through some things then too. It doesn't really end, but it's worth it. Right. You know? Right. What are some of the stigmas that you want to debunk? What would you say are like the myths versus the truths? Oh, yeah, this one, I could literally go on a soapbox about that. <laughs> we could just do a whole episode on this. But people could go to the podcast and listen more. But I will say that as I've connected with women kind of all over the world through the podcast, what's definitely clear is that there is still a stigma. I think some of it is self-imposed because we live in this like ridiculous social media world, right? Where everyone's life looks so perfect and then you're a divorced mom with kids and all you see online is these perfect families and everyone, you know, especially holidays and all of that stuff. So some of that stigma is, and that some of the pity is self-imposed, but then at the same time, I think that sometimes other non-divorced moms can sometimes look at moms that are divorced with pity or see them as a victim, not meaning to even, but just, I think sometimes they're so afraid, like, oh my God, I don't want that to happen to me. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's hard. And so, you know, or sometimes, sometimes, you know, sometimes people can just be mean, you know, and they can even be like gossiping or questioning, how can she only be with her kids half the time or any of that stuff. And I just, I loathe all of that. And so I really feel moved to flip that script on divorce and to help debunk the fact that, you know, kids can have a beautiful childhood regardless. They can have a beautiful childhood, whether, you know, their parents are divorced or not. I think that a woman, a mom can be a stronger, better version of herself after divorce. This idea of like, a broken home. Like I cannot stand that term. That is horrible language. I mean, I never even thought about that. And I guess because maybe I wasn't raised around that verbiage around it. Like, I don't think my mom ever, at least around me, she never said anything about Sarah and Allison come from a broken home. She talked about being a single parent, but yeah, I hadn't even ever considered that. And you're right. That's like, really, I don't like that (laughs) that terminology at all. Isn't it terrible? Oh my God. So bad. And I, you still hear it. So, you know, and it's like, because again, it's kids from a divorced home. Kids like, like this, this stigma to it. And I, I truly believe that that's a myth. That doesn't have to be the case. I will also say another big myth is that divorced couples can't be friends, that divorced couples can't find common ground and be civil. And I think what really hit me is that as we've kind of gone through our journey the last 11 years, I cannot tell you the number of times and my kid's dad will say the same thing. Because when I was starting the podcast, of course, I wanted to make sure he was cool with it. I wanted to make sure that his fiance was cool with it. Again, we're all in this together. And he said, Julie, he's like, I'm so glad you're doing it. He said, because I have guys come up to me all the time and say, how are you doing this? I don't understand. What are you and Julie doing? And I would have people ask me, oh, you're just so lucky. You are so lucky that you have things like this, you know, that's not normal. That's not normal. And I'm like, like, as if you haven't put a ton of work into it and, <laughs> and, and created yes. it. 
exactly. It's a lot of hard work. But then also the fact they would say things like it's not normal. It really got me thinking, you know, wait, this doesn't have to be not normal. Right, right. right? You don't have to have a bad relationship with your ex. Now, again, as I say all the time, there are just some bad dudes out there. And, you know, there are bad situations. I'm not talking about those situations. But if you're still squabbling over like stupid stuff in the whole scheme of life, like you don't have to be there, right? You don't have to be there. And I think that's the big myth, you know, is one, kids can 100% be okay. There doesn't need to be this stigma and that people can actually be even better after. Um, And you can have a good relationship if you really work on it. Or at least you can get your own head okay, even if you'll never get him there. You can get okay. You have that power. And if you don't, you've given that power to him. Totally. Totally. So let's talk about that for just a minute before we wrap up. What are some of the specific practices that you recommend to moms going through divorce to give them that sense of strength and power? And like you said, like there's an opportunity there for them to, you know, kind of create what they want moving forward and to not give the power to a partner who maybe is not, you know, super invested in peaceful co-parenting. Right. Right. So number one, to be the leader, right. To try to be the lead that you want your kids to see and, you know, to keep your side of the road neat, because even if his side of the road's super messy, it'll even be more clear that it's super messy and maybe your light starts to shine there. So just continue to be the lead. Don't try to mirror how he might be being. The other thing, and I mentioned this one already, is stop calling him your ex. Yep. Call him your kid's dad. It's funny how that shift in your brain is amazing because, you know, again, you keep telling yourself, my ex-husband, my ex-husband, my ex-husband, that little reptilian part of your brain goes into safety mode. It goes into, you know, I mean, it's a subconscious thing. You don't even realize how you're perceiving and thinking and you're living in the past. You change that and you make a deliberate effort to really call him your kid's dad. It's amazing what can shift there. The second thing is to have a life vision. I tell women to no matter where they are in the moment to picture themselves like sitting down, almost like doing a visualization exercise of closing their eyes. And I want them to picture kids' birthday parties. I want them to picture, you know, this massive, important championship soccer game for their kids, you know, a graduation, you know, from high school, being in the hospital when your grandchild is born. And then I tell them, how do you want to feel when you're there? Because most likely your kid's dad will be there. So do you want to feel anxious, sadness, anger through some of these most amazing moments in life? Or how do you want to feel and write that down? And then to be thinking about how you can be more intentional with your actions for that longer term life vision. I even love to have a vision board, right? How do you want that to look? And then to keep reminding yourself because it'll help in the moment when it's easier to be angry or frustrated or whatever. And then the third big thing I would say is to just become super aware of their thinking. And, you know, I have this very strong belief that our thoughts, you know, can be poison in our life or they can be super, super influential in a positive way in our life because they drive how we feel. Our feelings then drive what we do and our actions create the life that we have. So if you want to change your life, you have to change your thinking. And so, you know, keeping a journal, writing down their thoughts, if they're having thoughts that are not serving them, 
what can they do to change those thoughts? And, you know, kind of really getting into that deep work, because here's the thing. I truly believe that the way your kids end up having a beautiful life, even though their parents might be divorced, is if the mom's okay. If she does the work for her to be okay, her kids will be fine. I really believe that. Definitely. Oh, this has been so good. So helpful. I love it. And I really appreciate you being here. So I want you to tell people where they can connect with you and what you are doing with the podcast with Divorce Mommies. And talk just a little bit about that before I go into my final Uh, question. Yes, absolutely. So I love Instagram. Instagram is my favorite spot. So I am Divorce Mommy on Instagram. I answer all of my DMs and love to connect with women. So definitely can connect with me there. My podcast is Divorced Mommy on iTunes, on Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you listen to to podcasts. And again, the goal of the podcast is really, I bring on different guests as well. I really want to empower women to look at this opportunity not tragedy to, you know, build the life that they want and their kids need. Yes. So good. And that's so funny. I just pulled up your Instagram page because I was going to tell everyone that we connected via Instagram. I love Instagram. I feel like it's the easiest way to have like genuine connections with people. And I pulled up your page and I realized that I wasn't following you. You were following me, but I totally thought we were following each other. So I just want to thank you for following me in a way that made me feel like we were mutually connected. That's (laughs) hysterical. So now I'm following you. I love it. And I love, I do. Instagram is just the coolest connector. It's it's awesome. It really is. It really is. So people listening, definitely will. I'll link everything up in the show notes and then people can find you through your site, through the podcast and through Instagram, of course. So that's perfect. Wonderful. So tell us in what ways you're a shameless mom. So it took me time to get shameless because again, I being so type A and I really thought my main role in life was to be mom to Jack and Caroline and the best one I could. So I always felt kind of guilty in making any decisions for me. So I really started to get shameless when I was finally done with corporate life. And I always felt like I had to kind of keep that income to support the lifestyle for my kids. Mm. And so I got shameless when I said, you know what, forget this. I'm going to make this leap. I'm going to go into entrepreneurship. We actually downsized our house for me to be able to leave a job I was not happy in, which was pretty shameless. But I will tell you that that leap into being selfish in a great way, like focusing on me and my happiness and being being shameless in that, I wasn't sure how my kids were going to handle it. And my daughter wrote an essay to get into this pretty prestigious camp. And it was about someone that she admired. And she's like, can you just like spell check this for me and read it, proofread it? I'm like, sure. I'm like sobbing, okay, (gasps) reading it because it was all about me and me taking this risk of, you know, doing something, one, to serve others, two, to create a different life for us, you know, leaving a corporate job I wasn't fulfilled in. And that that's something that she hopes she can achieve someday and that that was everything, everything for me. It's amazing. That's so cool. I love that. And it's a great place to end. So I want to thank you, Julie, for being here. And I so appreciate you sharing your story. And I especially appreciate the way that you shared it 
in just the way you shared, you modeled so much of what you have been sharing. And you even told me when I sent my interview questions over, you were like, here's where I'm willing to go with this. Here's where I'm not. Like you have such clear boundaries around what you're going to talk about, how you're going to talk about your family's story and your story. And I think that that is such a beautiful thing and powerful thing to model to other moms and to other families so that they can go through similar situations and feel like they are building from a place of integrity and conscientiousness. And I just think you're doing a beautiful job of that. And I know you're impacting so many other families as you do that for yourself. So thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me and for what you're doing. It means so much for all of us to feel so empowered. So thank you for the Shameless Mom podcast. It's awesome. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talked to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. Mm-hmm. 
And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it.